Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's sermon podcast. We trust that this podcast is an encouragement to you. If there's any way that we can pray for you, or if you have any questions about Jesus and why we serve him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you at this time, if you will, to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We are talking about uh, new beginnings. Um, It's January 2022. Yes, that's right. January 2022. It's hard to believe we're here. Um, But we are. And the new year is always a good time to think about new beginnings. And today I want to talk to you about the direction of your life. What direction is your life headed here in 2022? Um, Many of you uh, may know this story, or at least parts of it, Uh, but Laura and I, my wife and I, met uh, on a mission trip, a youth mission trip um, in Indianapolis. So I was chaperoning um, a youth mission trip from my home church in South Carolina to Indianapolis, where uh, Laura was a summer missionary at an inner city um, um, homeless shelter. That's why I always say that I found my wife at a homeless shelter. Um, Because I did. I did. Um, So we met on the mission trip, and uh, several, before that mission trip took place, several of the youth leaders from my home church uh, took a trip to Indianapolis from South Carolina to kind of scout it out and to make sure everything was um, all ready for us and so forth. And so I was one of those youth leaders. We went to Indianapolis for a couple of days to kind of check everything out, see where we were staying, what we were going to be doing, all that kind of stuff. Um, Didn't know at the time, but met my future wife. Hey, who knew, right? Uh, He knew. Uh, But anyway, uh, and so when we were done, it was time to go back to South Carolina. Now, let me time out, pause here for just a minute. This was 1994. Four, okay. This was pre-cell phone era, pre-GPS era. Okay, we used to use for those of you under the age of twenty-five or so. We used to use these things called maps, and they were paper, and you know they would fold up, and then you fold them out. Y'all know what they are, anyway. Um, so we had used a map to get there. For some reason, when we were leaving. Uh, and I don't really remember why we didn't have our map right in front of us. I don't know if it was packed up somewhere, if we couldn't find it or what, but um, there were just a couple of us and we were in a car and we were like, hey, we can figure this out. We don't need our map. And so we started to head out of the city. Now, everybody here is fairly familiar with Indianapolis, right? Our thought process was, hey, we just get on one of these roads and head out. We're going to hit 465, which is a big belt loop, right, around the city. And we would get on 465, start driving, didn't matter which way, because it would run into 65, and that would be pretty easy and be fine. And so that's exactly what we did. We started driving out of the city. We got to 465, and it had east and west or whatever, I don't know. And we said, which way should we go? We didn't even know where we were. So we were like, hey, it's a beltway. It goes around. It doesn't matter. We'll go this way. And so we got on and we went to the right, probably because that was easiest, and we started driving. And we drove 
And we drove and we drove. And about an hour, hour and a half later, we get to to I-65 South where we get on and then head to Louisville and on down to South Carolina. Now, it wasn't until later, just to give you an idea of what we did, I brought a map. Oh, they've already got it up here. And so um, here's what we, as we looked back and remembering the roads we were on, I don't remember which exact one. Is this thing going to work? I don't know. Maybe not. So if you can see here, I can't point, but we came down probably what 37 right there. I don't remember one of those roads coming down and it would have been so easy for us to just get on 465 and get right over to 65 and head south. But guess what? You've already guessed it. That's not what we did. Looking back on it, what we did was we went right and we went all the way around the city and then we got to 65 and then went south. We thought we would never get to 65. We thought they'd gotten rid of it or something. I don't know. We had gone the wrong way on 465 and ended up driving all the way around. Now, why do I tell you that? Friends, I tell you that because very similar to what we did many times in life, unbeknownst to us, we head in the wrong direction. Can I get a witness? Amen. We head in the wrong direction and we think we're maybe going the right way. And the reality is, friends, whereas it could have been a lot easier, we often make it hard on ourselves. And sometimes we end up in the wrong place where we never intended because we had took off in the wrong direction. And sometimes, just like what we did in 465, like what the Israelites did in the wilderness, sometimes we just kind of go in circles in life. Amen? Uh, Unfortunately. This morning, as I said, we're going to talk about new beginnings. And as we talk about new beginnings here in 2022, direction in our life matters. If we're headed in the wrong direction and we don't correct it, then our life is going to end up in a bad place where we never intended. So as we think about this, I want to ask you some questions. I just want you to think about this with me. Uh, Question number one, what determines the direction you are headed in your life? What determines what you do? What determines how you spend your money? What determines how you spend your time? What determines where you work? What determines who you spend time with? What determines where you go? Uh, how, How would you answer all of these questions, friends? I believe you may, as, as many people say, well, pastor, I basically just do what I think is best. That's what most people do, right? They make decisions on the direction in life and what they think is best. Pastor, I just do what I want to do. And if we're honest, that's probably what most of us do. We just do what we think is best in the moment. Hopefully, some way, way back there in the back of our minds, it's grounded in scripture somewhere as a Christian or something. But, but we just do what we think is best or what we really, let's be honest, we just do what we want to do. I want to propose to you a new direction in 2022. How about we do what Jesus wants us to do? Amen. I want to, I want to say, pastor, how do I get headed in that right direction here in 2022? Well, I want to point you in the right direction by asking you to answer three simple questions this morning. Okay. So if you got your outline, take your outline with with you with take your outline that you should have picked up on the way in this morning. 
you're watching online, you should find that outline posted um, there uh, online as well. You should be able to print that out or look at it anyway. But I want to give you three questions to determine your true direction and to help you get the right direction here in 2022. First question is this. Friends, who is really the boss of your life? Who is, who's really the boss of your life? Now, as good Christians, we know the right answer to that, don't we? Jesus is, right? You know, that's like the, when you ask, ask the, the, the toddlers over here. My wife's doing toddlers this morning. I'm sure she's asking them some good questions. Jesus, right? Before they even ask the question, we, we, we know the right answer, but, but I don't want you to just regurgitate the church answer. I don't want you just to regurgitate the Sunday school answer. Excuse me. I want you to really examine your life. What really determines how you spend your time? What really determines how you spend your money? What, what, how do you decide what you're going to be involved in or who you're going to hang out with? And let me just give you a, a, a hint to that last one. Um, Jesus may not always want you to hang around with just Christians. How do you decide those things? How do you decide who's going to be your friends? How do you decide what you're going to do or how you're going to spend your time or, are you gonna, are you, or, or even how you treat others? Are you doing what God wants you to do or just what you want you to do? In our text today, Jesus has something to say about that. It's not complicated. In fact, it's really pretty simple. Why don't you look at verse 46 of Luke chapter 6 with me this morning, if you will. Jesus says here to the crowd, he says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? What a great question, amen? Why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? Uh, Jesus here is wrapping up what many believe to be the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Some believe chapter 6 is Luke's condensed version of the Sermon on the Mount that Matthew records in uh, Matthew chapter 7. Some believe it's a different sermon altogether where Jesus teaches basically the same thing. Um, Either way, Uh, I I don't know that we can say for sure, but either way, we see some of the same commands and principles given here as Matthew records over in in chapter 7. Love your enemies. It's a good one, right? To which Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? He says, love your enemies. He says to do good to those who hate us. Bless those who curse us. Don't judge others. Don't condemn them. Um, Give generously. Show mercy, forgive those who have wronged you. And to all that, he says, listen, many of you are calling me Lord, but you are not doing these very simple things that I command you in my word. The word Lord is the Greek word kyrios. It comes from the root kyros, kyros, meaning supremacy. Uh, That word Lord refers to one who is the owner Um, maybe a better word for us is master or boss. Um, even though maybe boss lacks a little bit of ownership, it's, it's the person to whom something or someone belongs. You are accountable to this individual and this individual, if they are a Lord, they are the master. They are the one which has power of decision, power of control. So 
when we call Jesus our Lord, master, boss, whatever term you want to use, in essence, what we are saying is that he owns us. Now, I know that probably, even saying that right there, rubbed some people the wrong way. Pastor, nobody owns me. Right? Isn't that what we say in our world, right? Be your own person. Nobody owns you. Nobody's... uh, This is a willing submission to Jesus as Lord. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? In essence, what we are saying, when we say, when we call Jesus our Lord, we're saying that he owns us, that he has the authority to tell us what to do, that he is who he says he is, and and that we are placing ourselves under his authority and his control. In other words, what he's saying here specifically in verse 46 is this, to call him Lord to call him master, to call him boss, and not do the things which he tells us is to make the word Lord meaningless. I want to do a little exercise here for just a second. I want you to take your outline this morning, and and you've got plenty of space on the front. You can turn it over on the back, whatever. I want you to just number one through five. If you didn't pick up an outline, just grab an envelope, I don't know, um, grab your checkbook, I don't know, uh, something, just something to write on. Um, and I want you to number one through five. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, just next to, next to each number, I'm going to ask you a question. I just want you to write yes or no, okay? Number one. Simple enough? Okay, simple enough. Number one. Is Jesus, not the, listen, not the church answer, be honest. Is Jesus really the Lord of your time? Yes or no? Number two, is Jesus really the Lord of your money? Somebody would look at your checkbook, would they have any idea that you're a Christian? Number three, is Jesus the Lord of your language? What you say give evidence that he is Lord of your life. He has lordship over that area of your life. Number four, is Jesus Lord of your thought life? Yes or no? Number five, is Jesus Lord of your attitude? Yes or no? Notice what I didn't give you. I didn't give you an option to put down sometimes. Because either he is or he isn't. Now, somewhere on that page, I want you to write two more words, okay? I want you to write the word Lord. And then over next to it, I want you to write the word no. Friends, if you've written no to any one of those five, I want you to answer then, is Jesus your Lord? Or no. Because if Jesus is our Lord, then no is not an option. Amen? It's not an option. 
if he is our Lord, if he's our boss, if he has control of us, if he's the one that's setting the direction for our lives, then no is not an option. So either I want you to draw a circle around and cross through Lord or no. Which one is it going to be? Is he your Lord or not? Because friends, those two words cannot go together. If Jesus is truly our master and our Lord, then we cannot tell him no. If we say no to him, however, then guess what? He's not really our Lord, master. We're fooling ourselves. If we want to call him Lord, yet what does he say? Why do you call me Lord and not do the things which I say? In fact, over in Matthew chapter 7, This is not going to be on your screen this morning, but here's the way he puts it over in Matthew chapter seven. He says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. In other words, many times people, we call him Lord, yet we don't do what he says. And he's saying, listen, mere profession of saying that without surrender to that we're just fooling ourselves who is really the boss of your life that's the first question i want you to answer this morning number two the second question i want you to answer is this and this is where we come in and we try to you know what we try to do we try to walk the fence don't we we try to walk in the middle we want to walk with one leg on each side of the fence or on each side of the line and we we want to say well yeah okay sometimes but when it doesn't fit i'm gonna when i don't want to when i don't like what he says it's going to be over here and friends we can't do that um here's a second question have you tried to make jesus just your savior or is he your lord have you tried to make jesus just your savior or is he truly your lord Now, let's all be honest for a minute. We all fall short of of allowing him to be Lord and boss of our life 100% of the time, right? We all fall short. We um, we, We are all sinners. None of us are perfect. And we all fail at being perfectly obedient to what Jesus said, says at times. And so... And and, and as a result of this, that has led some to believe that it is possible to ask Jesus to be your Savior, yet not allow him to be your Lord. Maybe maybe you've heard someone's testimony go something like this. Somebody's given their testimony and they may say something like, well, yes, I was saved when I was 10. But I realized that, that, that I had... That, I, that when I was 10, I just made Jesus my Savior, and it wasn't until later on in my life that he actually became the Lord of my life. Have you ever heard a testimony something like that? Okay? Um, been in church long enough, you probably have. Maybe you've said that yourself. The question is, is that possible? Is it possible for Jesus to be our Savior but not be our Lord? This is something called lordship salvation. And it, it, it is, this, the discussion about this has gone on for ages. As to, what, is it possible for, for, for Jesus to be our savior and to trust him as our savior, but not, uh, not allow him or make him 
to be the Lord of our life? Is it possible to be saved yet Jesus not be our Lord? And to answer that question, I want us to look at God's word and let's see what God's word has to say about this. And there's a lot of different places we could look at for this. Um, Jesus says a lot about it in the gospel of John uh, himself about, um, well, I'll mention it here in just a minute, but let's look, see what God's word has to say. First verse we want to look at here is a very familiar verse to you. It's Romans chapter 10, verse nine. It is a verse we use, um, when sharing the Romans road or talking to somebody about salvation. And it says this, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. Now, sometimes in the new King James, we kind of just gloss right over that. I love how some of the newer translations put this, um, and it, I believe more, a little bit more accurately so, says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, okay? Even if you say the Lord Jesus, you are confessing him as the Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Romans 10, 9 gives us two conditions. Number one, that you confess or agree with God. You, you uh, admit, surrender to the fact that Jesus is Lord and specifically in your life, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So according to this verse, we must, we must confess him, not just as, hey, I want Jesus, I want you to save us, but we want him to be what? Our Lord. We must confess him as Lord in order to be saved. In our text today, Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, as we've already read, Jesus says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? So Jesus here is saying that we need to call him Lord, but it needs to be more than just words, right? Just a a confession, even if we use words, because the reality is when people say, well, I was trust him as my savior, never my Lord. I, I don't know that somebody would actually pray something like Jesus. I want you to come in my life, be my savior, but I don't want you to be my Lord. You know what? That's, I don't know if that's ever come out of somebody's mouth. Maybe, but we, we, we think we're doing that. That's what, and, but, but Jesus says that that and what we see from this verse is that it requires a submission. Uh, the next one, we've already looked at Matthew chapter seven. In that parallel passage in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew records it this way. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, go ahead and flip to the next one, please. There we go. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So there's meaning behind that word. Amen. It's not just our words. It is a surrender of our, of our lives to his lordship and doing what he and the Father in heaven tells us to do. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. So we hear the word and we respond to the word, right? And it's not just that we make a profession. It's not just that we hear the word because James here says, if we're not doers of the word and all we do is hear, then we are just simply doing what? We're deceiving ourselves. And so what we see from these scriptures is that the word of God is pretty adamant that if we say Jesus is our savior, then, then we must also make him our Lord. Then we must be obeying him as the Lord, the master, the boss of our life. We must allow, be allowing him to set the direction for our lives. Now, some throughout history have said, but pastor, what about verses like John three sixteen? You know it, right? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Pastor, doesn't this passage say that all we have to do is believe? Yes, right? John chapter 1 says we believe and receive. We receive him as Savior. Uh, The key is there that in believing is that we need to understand what believing means. Believing, even in John 3.16, is not just an intellectual belief. It is not just assenting to a set of intellectual facts. It is believing in in a heart surrender, putting our faith in Jesus for our salvation, that when we step into eternity, he's going to, he's going to, it's it's his, what he did for us and his atonement that pays for our sin, that we put our trust and faith in him. Believing is actually the Greek word pistuo. It's the word also translated many times faith, and it means to place our faith in which means that when we believe, we place our faith in who Jesus is, what he did for us as the atonement for our sins, and in his words as the foundation for our life here and our eternal life forevermore. Uh, we, when we trust him as Savior, what we are doing is we are stepping out and we are putting our whole weight in his hands. Don, I'm going to borrow your stool for a minute. I will do that. This chair, this stool looks pretty sturdy, right? I've seen lots of stools that don't look sturdy. Amen. We had one up here one Sunday that wasn't so sturdy, right, Don? And uh, poor Don ended up on his backside. We apologize for that. But, you know, if I say I believe that this, I believe that this stool can hold me, what am I saying about this stool? I'm trusting it, right? I'm trusting that if I put my whole weight on this stool, then this stool is going to hold up and it's not going to collapse. This one's a good one, okay? So if I say I believe that and I trust that, then I can put all of my weight on this stool, trusting that it's going to hold me and that it's not going to fall. And so, friends, in a, it is in the same type of way. When we say we put our faith in Jesus, we are leaning our whole weight into his hands. And we are trusting him with everything that we are. We're not, listen, it's him and him alone that saves us. What he did on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. It is his death that the Father accepts as the substitute for our sins. And so, Listen, trusting Jesus as our Savior is not saying, well, you know what? I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior, but you know what? Just in case, I'm going to kind of trust in my works too. So in case this stool doesn't hold me, I'm going to kind of hold on to this table as well. If I'm doing that, then guess what? I'm not trusting in the stool. If I trust in Jesus alone as my Savior, I'm willing to rest my whole weight on him. And I am willing to bet my life and my eternity that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said he did, and that his words are true. And so if all of that is the case, friends, then I do what he says, right? I repent of my sins and I trust him as my savior. I I then begin to walk and live my life based on what his word says, because I believe that he is Lord of all. And if he is Lord and I 
I say, I begin to call him Lord, then what does he say according to verse 46 I need to do? We just take the reverse, right? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? So what Jesus is really saying is when we call him Lord, we need to do what he says. Friends, the outworking of our faith is obedience to Christ. The outworking of our faith is that we do what he says. From trusting in his work on the cross for salvation to putting our daily trust in him for guidance on how we live. If he is our savior, then he will also be our Lord. And I understand there are some that make this argument and so forth, but I would say as I look at scripture, I don't see anywhere that Jesus says we can be saved yet not be trusting him as our Lord as well. Now, does that mean that we're always going to 100% perfectly obey? No. We're human, right? We're not going to 100% always obey. We've already said that we don't do that. But friends, when we confess him as Lord, we are declaring that with his help, remember when we surrender our life to him, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us to lead us and to guide us. And so we're not doing it by our own power anymore. We're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And when we, when we confess him as Lord, we declare that, Lord, with your help, I'm going to seek to live with you in control of my life. I'm going to let you be Lord of all. Saying Jesus is Lord means that we go back to your list it means that our predetermined answer is yes yes lord yes whatever you say lord yes i am going to the best of my ability do what you say i am to the best of my ability live my life for you it is through that lens that we begin to view our lives and the direction in our lives and the world around us amen I'm going to seek to live for him. His word is where we begin to look, where we look for guidance. Amen. Not to Oprah, not to self-help, not to the six o'clock news. That's old school, right? Not to the app, the news, whatever. It is what I will trust in to lead me and to guide me. And Jesus is the one who set, will set the direction for my life. Have you tried to just make Jesus your Savior? Or is he really your Lord? Who's really the boss of your life? Trying to just let him be your Savior and not your Lord? Third question, last question I want to ask you this morning is this. What foundation or direction is your life built upon? What foundation or direction is your life built upon? Look at verse 47 with me, if you will. I better put Don's stool back before I get in trouble. Thank you, sir. Verse 47. Excuse me. Verse 47 says this. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. So he just said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I do? But if you will do the things that I do, here's what 
your life. Here's what you are like. Then he gives um, two instances. Verse 48, he says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When you build a foundation, you don't want to just set it right on the ground, right? You want to, you want to dig down and dig a deep foundation. Listen, if you're going to build the taller the building, the deeper you need to go, right? Get down till you get on bedrock or get down and pour a good, where it's solid down in there, where you pour a good concrete foundation that you can set that on. You know where I'm from? Sometimes they don't do that. Right, Brandon? Um, sometimes, you know, what, you know what they do? Before, before they build, sometimes in certain places, you know, where the building codes really lax, they really s- s- literally just take cinder blocks and start going up a couple. And then just put the floor right on it. And, and, and then build up from there. Now, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's cost, what have you. But the reality is Jesus says, listen, if you want a house to last, you're going to dig deep. It, 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 those, the person who listens to my sayings and does them, he's like a man who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream or the river, the running water beat vehemently against that house, it could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. It was well built. It had a good foundation, Right? gives the opposite side verse 49 but he who heard and did nothing in other words the person who hears what jesus has to say and says you know what um i'm not sure even i'm not sure about that or you know what i'm not going to do that i don't i don't believe that jesus is who he said he is i don't believe this i'm not going to build my life based on this um or the person who is just really agnostic and you know an agnostic tries to want to walk that center line right they just kind of say, I'm just going to, you know, I just live like, you know, I, I believe there's a God, but, I, you know, I'm just going to kind of do what I want to do. But here Jesus says, listen, the person who, if you do not build your life on him and his, what he says, you're like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation. That person who builds on, on, on the cinder blocks against which the stream, uh, the word there, it can mean rivers, running waters, it's talking about the flood waters when they start to roll beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. I want you to notice two things about those two verses. First of all, friends, whether the house was well built or not, Jesus says when the storm came. It's not a question of if storms are going to come in our lives. It's a matter of when. And if you have never had a storm in your life, God bless you. It's a coming. Listen, one person's storm may be bigger than another. It may be different. But if you live life long enough, the storms are going to come. Where is your anchor? Where, what are you holding on to? What, do, do you have something solid? Or are you tossed about by the, by the storm? Are you tossed to and fro? Uh, the second thing I want you to notice is the only house that stands is the one that's built on a solid foundation, the foundation that is built on the rock. It's why we call Jesus that rock upon which we stand. Amen? When our life is built upon him and our salvation is in him and our eternity is secure, there is nothing that this world can do to us that is going to erase that. Let me also tell you, listen, even if you want to, 
and, and I can't do this, but if you want to set aside your death in eternity for a minute, even in this life, friends, it is the truths of scripture and the truths of knowing an almighty eternal God that is coming and, 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 and unveiled himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. It is knowing him as our Lord and savior friends that carries us through the difficulties of life. Amen. That's how we hold on. Remember when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples? The storm came up. The disciples began to get worried. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? We're going to die. Where was Jesus? Down in the hole of the ship, asleep. Because why? Because he knows even in the midst, he's in control. Friends, even in the midst of the chaos that may be happening in our lives, we need to trust that Jesus is in control. And if you know him, he's got you in the palm of his hand. He'll carry you through whatever storm it is that comes along. He's got you. Amen? What are you building your life on? You know, there's all sorts of things you can build your life on. You can build your life on worldly philosophy, secular philosophy. You know, and some people try to walk the line on this, you know. Okay, I believe in Jesus, but, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of this too and stuff, what have you. Um, the reality is, friends, that if we build our life on worldly philosophy, on secular philosophy, on, on, on um, theories that are not scripturally solid evolution and those types of things, friends, then guess what? Those things will fail us. Because they are just man's musings about how the world came about that no man knows. You know that every theory that man has is based on assumptions that man makes on what man thinks. I don't know about you, but I would rather trust a word that claims to come from the eternal God that created it all. You can build your life on worldly secular philosophies if, if you so choose, but trust me, it will fail you. You can build your world, your world and your life on the promises of other religions. Islam, Buddhism, Sikhism, New Age philosophy. You can build your life on those things, friends, but all those things, again, are man's attempts to get to God, to describe God, to try to make a way in which we can become like God or become better in and of ourselves and get to God, I'd rather trust in something where God comes to us. You can base your life on those things, friends, but in the end, it's going to fail you. You know what? You can even base your life on religion, on being religious, on being a good person. You know what, Pastor, I've been good. I've, I've, I've always been in church. I've always been faithful to the Lord. I've always done the things that I believe God wanted me to do. You know what? That, more power to you, friends, but those things in and of themselves will fail you as well. You can build your life on what you think is best. You know what most people say when I'm talking to them, uh, and maybe you've had this experience too, when you're talking to somebody about um, the gospel and trusting in Christ as their savior and who Jesus is. You know what most people say? I, and, and they say, well, you know what? Here, I, here's what I believe. I said, well, why do you believe that? They said, well, I, I just kind of, that's what I think is right. 
That's what, that's what, what, what I think. And I'm just going to, you know, that's, what, that's the conclusion I've come to in my mind. Now, I understand why people say that. Because they think it's their conclusions against, say, my conclusions or I, whatever. And that's not, this is not my conclusion. I'm basing mine on the truth of God's word. But the reality is when somebody says, I'm basing my life based on what I think, you realize how illogical that is? Um, Do you base math just on what you think? I did that in calculus once. It didn't get me a good good grade, okay? You know, if, if if I base my answers in math on what I think, I think five plus three equals 27, you know, on geography test, I, I think Africa is in the middle of Siberia. You know, why, why do you believe that? Because that's what I think. It's what seems best to me. It's what seems like, right? That, that's totally illogical. It doesn't make any sense. We have to have something in which we base our, our, our philosophy upon. Even if it's wrong, you need to have something that you base it upon. Not just that you think or you come up with these ideas by sitting and thinking. If you're going to trust your own sitting and thinking, then just think about that for a minute, right? (laughs) Friends, the only foundation and direction for our lives that will stand. When the storms of life come and when the ultimate storm of life, death comes, are the words and truth of the one who created it all who stepped out of heaven and came to earth to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for your sins and to reveal himself to us. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his words that will stand. When he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, yet, even though he dies, yet shall he live. We can trust in that, amen? That's the stool in which I'm putting my weight on. I have come that they may have life, right? And what? And may have it more abundantly. That we trust that life in him is not going to be perfect, but it's going to be more abundant than if, if we're just living our lives based on our own philosophies. Because he has the words of life. Peter says, to whom else shall we turn, Lord? You have the words of life. Friends, what direction are you headed in 2022? What's your foundation? Do you need to recalibrate? Do you need to turn around? I want to close with a story this morning that um, I've used before. Some of you are probably familiar with, heard other places and so forth. Fairly familiar story, but one that I believe... Um, is a great lesson for us today. On New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech played UCLA in the Rose Bowl. In that game, a young man by the name of Roy Regals recovered a fumble for UCLA. However, when he recovered the fumble, he got turned around and lost his direction and began running the wrong way towards, yes, the wrong goal line. He ran 65 yards towards the opposing team's goal line. Fortunately, one of his teammates, Benny Lam, recognized what he was doing and what had happened and began chasing after him. I wish, I don't know if, I doubt they have video of that, but I would love to see that, right? Just see him chasing after his own teammate running down the field. 
Benilam ran him down and tackled Roy just before he reached the opposing team's goal line at about the one-yard line. Unfortunately, as they had the ball now on their own one-yard line, several plays later, UCLA had to punt. Unfortunately, when they went back to punt, the other team, Georgia Tech, blocked the punt, therefore scoring a safety and really demoralizing UCLA. Halftime came. At halftime, the UCLA players filed off the field and into the locker room. Everybody sat down, and they were all just kind of dejected. Roy Regals sat over in a corner, put a corner, put a blanket around his shoulders and his head in his hands, and was just kind of downtrodden. Normally, the coach comes in, you know, and fires the team up at halftime, but Coach Price that day was quiet. I imagine he didn't know quite what to say after that happened. When the timekeeper came in and announced that there was just three minutes left before time to go back out for the second half, Coach Price looked at his team and said, Men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. The players got up, said, Okay, Coach, headed back out to the field, all except for Roy Regals. He didn't budge. Here's Roy sitting over in the corner, just feeling sorry for himself, wallowing in his own self-pity. Coach went over to where Roy sat and said, Roy, did you hear me? Didn't you hear me? I said the same team that will play the first half will start in the second half. Roy looked up out of his hands, tears running down his cheeks, and he said, Coach, he said, I can't do it. He said, I've embarrassed you. I've embarrassed myself. I've embarrassed the university. I can't face that crowd out there. To which Coach Price reached out, put his hand on Roy's shoulder and said, Roy, get up and go back out to the field. Remember, the game is only halfway over. Friends, some, scratch that, all of us have run in the wrong direction at times. If you're sitting here today and hearing my voice, if you're watching online today or next week, then your game is not over. No matter what direction you've been heading, it doesn't have to be the same direction you keep running. Maybe somebody's tackled you, (laughs) tried to get your attention. Maybe today you've realized, you know what? There are some areas in my life when I've been running in the wrong direction. Today, I need to turn that bad boy around and I need to face Jesus. Pastor Brandon said this morning, as we talked about last week, Zacchaeus went to great lengths to seek out Jesus and to follow him. And what happened from that? Jesus received him. He received Jesus into his home and Zacchaeus was saved. Friends, If we'll, God says, if we'll seek after him, he will, what, open his arms to us and receive us unto himself. Friends, I want to just ask you, what direction are you headed today? Maybe you're here and maybe maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Friends, here's the deal. God is willing to forgive you. He's so willing that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. That if you'll simply acknowledge that you're a sinner and you need him as your savior, believe and trust in him as your savior and Lord, 
And your name will, he'll write your name in heaven. Write your name in the book of life and you will forever be his. That's good news, amen? Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you're a believer, you're a Christian, you have no doubt about that. But there are areas in your life. Yes, you've said, you've you've proclaimed Jesus as your Lord, but you know that there are some areas where you have not allowed him to be his lordship in. This morning, would you surrender that to him? Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for, for doing what I want to do here, Lord, and let me put you first. God is a God of second chances. God is a God of new beginnings. God is a God of new direction. When we set it on him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. We give you our lives. We listen to what you have to say to us. Lord, we want to align our lives with that. Holy Spirit, please reveal to us right now. Reveal to our hearts the areas of our lives where we need to allow your lordship to permeate. And today, Lord, we surrender it to you. Friends, if that's the desire of your heart right now, right where you're seated, wherever you are, would you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I surrender to your lordship in my life. Would you say, Lord Jesus, I want you to set the direction in my life. Lord, I don't want to just do what I want to do anymore. I realize that your way is better. And if I'm going to call you Lord, then I need to let you be Lord of my life. Lord, you hear our hearts. We give them to you this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.